0: What's going on? So, alright, we'll go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Matthew. I'm going to attempt to preach a really long message in a reasonable amount of time, <laughs> but, um, I really wanted to... Uh, I, I, I really wanted to... I thought this would be a good subject to bring up. I don't know. Has anybody in here ever been asked that question? When, when you tell somebody... I go to Liberty Baptist Church, and they'll say, Baptist, what's that? I mean, really, you know, what, what's the difference between, you know, Baptists and Catholics and Methodists and Episcopalians and Mormons and, and y'all you know, they'll start naming off all these religions. I mean, don't you all... Believe in Jesus, you know, don't you all you know seem to be you know pretty close. And there might be some religions that are a little closer to us than others. But then when it comes down to it though, we here we are a Baptist church. And then you say, Well, Baptists, there's there's a whole bunch of Baptists. In fact, you know, you've got independent Baptists, you've got Southern Baptists, you've got American Baptists, General Baptists, General Association of Regular Baptists. I mean, there's all these Different kinds of Baptists too, and it can you know so you know and we call ourselves independent fundamental, but sometimes we'll even throw on a few edu- extra adjectives just to I guess show who we are. And I, I what I want to do is hopefully help you all to understand to where you can answer that question. Unfortunately, there's not a super short answer. One day I was out knocking on doors and I invited somebody. Said I like to invite you to Liberty Baptist Church, and she said okay, oh you know, Liberty Baptist. She's like so. And she said it real snotty. So what is Baptist? And I I knew already. She obviously knows a little bit and doesn't like it very much and she wants to hear what I have to say. And I had gotten she she went to a Pentecostal church. And um, you know, I didn't say we don't speak in tongues, but I never mentioned speaking in tongues. And she brought it up and then it got you know, it got ugly from there on. I I tried I was I was being nice as I but she just she kept getting mad because we didn't speak in tongues. And so I'm sorry, but what you, what's going on with tongue talking in church today is nothing like what was going on in the Bible. And uh, but anyway, that you know, that, that's a whole other subject there. But you know, we don't do that around here. And uh, I can't guarantee it won't ever happen. We might have somebody show up one of these days and decide to start uh, speaking in tongues. But I can promise you. Uh, I might have a conversation with Matt after the service and say, "Hey, <laughs> you might want to go try somewhere else if uh, if you're going to keep doing that because we don't really believe in that." But I looked up, I looked up on you know Wikipedia. Of course, you know they are a vast source of you know accurate knowledge. I'm being sarcastic, but I, I thought I want to hear what they have to say about Baptists. And I thought I thought it was a pretty good uh, description. It says. Baptists are individuals who compromise a group of denominations and churches that subscribe to a doctrine that baptism should be performed only for professing believers or believers baptism as opposed to infant baptism and that it must be done by complete immersion as opposed to effusion or sprinkling. Other tenets of Baptist churches include soul competency, Uh, Liberty, salvation through faith alone, Scripture alone as the rule of faith and practice, and the autonomy of the local congregation. Baptists recognize two ministerial offices, pastors and deacons. Baptist churches are widely considered to be Protestant churches, though some Baptists disavow this identity. And I disavow that. We are not Protestants. We did not break up the Catholic Church. But diverse from their beginning... Those identifying as Baptists today differ widely from one another in what they believe, how they worship, their attitudes toward other Christians, and their understanding of what is important in Christian discipleship. Historians trace the earliest church labeled Baptist back to 1609 in Amsterdam with English separatist John Smith as its pastor. In accordance with uh, his reading of the New Testament, he rejected baptism of infants and instituted baptism only of believing adults Baptist practice spread to England where the general Baptist considered Christ's atonement to extend to all people, while the particular Baptists believed that it extended only to the elect. And there are still some Baptist groups out there that believe, that we call it Calvinism, that believe in uh, an election, that only certain people, you know, Jesus only died for certain people, uh, we reject... All five pillars of Calvinism. I do not believe that at all, but uh, that stuff's been around for a long time. And then in 1638, Roger Williams established the first Baptist congregation in the North American colonies in the mid-18th century. The First Great Awakening increased Baptist growth in both New England and the South the second great awakening in the south in the early 19th century increased church membership as did the preachers lessening of support for abolition and manumission of slavery which had been part of the 18th century teachings baptist missionaries have spread their church to every continent and the baptist world alliance reports that 41 million or more than 41 million members in more than 150,000 congregations In 2002, there were over 100 million Baptist and Baptistic group members worldwide and over 33 million in North America. The largest Baptist association is the Southern Baptist Convention with the membership of associated churches totaling more than 16 million. So that's what they say. And there's a lot of accuracy, uh, I believe, in there and what they're saying about Baptists. But what do we say here? Okay, what do we say here at Liberty Baptist Church when we talk about being Baptist or uh, being independent Baptist? It said, you know, the Southern Baptists—they're the largest group. But you know, the Southern Baptists—they've only been around since the 1800s. And the Southern Baptist actually—and I'm not bashing the Southern Baptists. There's, uh, you know, the, I believe many people uh, get saved in these groups. My dad was uh, ordained. In the Southern Baptist Convention, he came out of it in the early '80s. But you know, the Southern Baptist Church that got started before the Civil War because many of the churches were the Baptists were saying slavery is wrong, and uh, especially in the North, and then the ones down south, uh, no, we want our slaves, and so they kind of separated and made their own convention and group. And and uh, we don't, I don't believe in. Uh, We believe in, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but the individual, local, self-governing church. We're not going to join a convention or an association where some higher up, you know, Pope of the Baptist Church can tell us what to do. Uh, We are supposed to be a self-governing church based on the Word of God. We'll talk more about that. But every time there's ever been groups formed like that, it's always eventually gone bad. It always has the, the Northern Baptists. They used to be the good ones. They went bad. I mean, all the groups they used to be. I mean, the group that was really, I mean, doing great things for the cause of Christ. But they got big. It got corrupted, and it got in trouble. And so, so and we're not. We you know we, we're not going to have time to go into a whole lot of the history of it. But you know, just one thing I want to start out with. I don't apologize one bit for the name Baptist. But I'm going to say right now that won't get you into heaven. okay? If you think because you're a Baptist, that's going to get you in the front of the line or that's going to help, that does not get you to heaven. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby he wants to be saved other than Jesus Christ. The name Baptist will not get you into heaven. You stand before God and say, hey, I was in a Baptist church He's going to say, well, good for you, but that's not going to get you in here. And, but at the same time, we don't apologize for being, for being Baptists. I think the Baptists do have a great history. And on that thing it read, it said the Baptists started in 1600. The truth is, uh, Baptists have been around, we, believe, you know, we claim, we've been around since Jesus Christ started the church. We just didn't always go by that name. And but at the same time, the Baptist doctrine, the Baptist distinctives that I'm gonna share with you quickly today, there have always been churches that followed the doctrine that had those beliefs. And before Baptist, Anabaptist was name. we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you know, just one story I heard one time, it was about a fellow, he died and went to heaven, and he was uh, you know, he was from the old school Methodist church, and uh he, he made it into heaven and got there one day. And, you know, the angel's showing him around heaven, showing him everything. And he went by this one area, and there's this bunch of people in there just praising God, having a good time. And the angel's not saying anything. And he's kind of wondering what's going on. The angel's being real quiet. And then he spoke up. And he says, Hey, who's all those people over there? And the angel said, like, Shh. Those are the Baptists. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> and so uh, said so being Baptist so won't get you into heaven, but at the same time I I'm, I'm proud to be a part of the Baptist Church And the, really the names that the name Baptist, it kind of came from a nickname for example, well, let's go to Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. I love the story here. Jesus, He's at Caesarea Philippi. And uh, back when I went to Israel, we got to go to this place. It's a beautiful place. Uh, There's like this large, massive cliff there. Real beautiful. Large, massive rock. And Jesus was there one day on this large rock with His disciples talking to Him. And He asked them a question. He said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Verse 14, And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, That thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to notice that statement. He said, The gates of hell... Shall not prevail against it. What was he talking about there? Well, I, I believe what he meant when he said the gates of hell not prevailing is that basically his church would not die out. Amen. I don't. I, I believe that there has always, from the time of Christ till now, there have always been churches, individual local churches preaching the gospel, preaching the correct doctrine, following those ordinances doing what God commanded that believe the way that we believe, that practice the way that we practice today, the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. And let me tell you, it tried. The church was greatly persecuted in those early days. And And really, it still is being persecuted in some places, but they've never been able to kill off God's church. It's never been able to happen, and it never will happen. The church is going to be around until the Lord returns and takes us to heaven. And so... Ah, he's Jesus prophesied the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against his church. So then the names, though, okay, because there's churches all over the place. I mean, there are different names. You go look in the phone book under churches, and there's so many sections in there, so many different names. You know, what does it mean? Why do we pick Baptist? I mean, I, I think Episcopalian sounds like a cooler name than Baptist. I mean, if we're going to go by a name, uh, that just sounds intelligent to me, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, you, know, what, you know, what are these names? How did we get the name Baptist? Did it, you know, A lot of people think, well, it came from John the Baptist. Because, you know, John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And Jesus baptized his disciples. And so we kind of got the name from John the Baptist. But that's not exactly, that's not really how we got our name either. In fact, what did... What did God call the church? I kind of just gave the answer away right there, but what, what did he call it? He, he called it the church, didn't he? And in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, we see a name that's taken on here. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it says. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves. They assembled. That's what a church is. A called out assembly. A church has been started here in Antioch. An individual church. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. They called them Christians. Who called them Christians? The other people call them Christians. This group of people that were meeting together, that were assembling together, that were baptizing people like Jesus baptized, that was baptized like Jesus, these people that were taking the Lord's Supper, like Jesus took the Lord's Supper, these people that are teaching the things that Jesus taught, that the Christ taught, these Christians, these Christ like people, these Christianish people, they called, they called them Christians. It was a name that was kind of given to them. You know, God called the church. People they called them Christians. And you know, I've heard some say that when they gave them that term, it was kind of a derogatory term. They're like Christ. They're Christians. Well, you and I know that's not an insult, is it? I think they kind of took it as a compliment, and so they took that name and they did. They started calling themselves. They started calling themselves Christians. Okay, so now, you know, right now, I mean, look how many people call themselves Christians. Catholics call themselves Christians even Mormons sometimes will you know refer to themselves as Christians uh, you know Methodist Baptist I mean Christians you know everybody calls themselves Christians and I believe it's important that you know that we distinguish who we are you know for example you know we you know the Christian flag I, I'm not against the Christian flag because I'm not against Christians however it's hard to really if you see that flag it's kind of hard to tell who it's talking about isn't it For example, you know I've seen the Christian flag in Catholic churches. Okay, but at the same time, do we really represent the same things? Well, no. Not we're not even close with some. There's some maybe a little closer, some a little farther away. But these names uh, they are important. They help distinguish and let people know who we are. We shouldn't be ashamed. Of who we are. And when we say Baptist, there's supposed to be some meaning to it. It means something. Uh, For example, the next nickname we got after Christians was Anabaptist. Because you remember, in the 3rd century, Catholicism started and in Catholicism, I'm not going to take time to read all the history about it, but they went and called all these churches together. You know, Constantine, he wanted to start this Catholic church. This universe, Catholic means universal. This universal church. And he went and he got all, called all the religions to come together. And there was a group of people, of churches that joined, cult, that in history are known as irregular churches that didn't follow all the same doctrines. But there was a group of churches that said, no, we are not joining up with the Catholic Church. They believed in the autonomy of the local church. And they said no to that. And whenever people would get saved that were from the Catholic Church, you know what those churches did? They would take those people, even though they got baptized in a Catholic Church, and they would baptize them in their own church. And they received the name, They the Catholics, and everybody called them Anabaptists because they were re-baptizers. That's and they had that name for years and years and years. Anabaptists was something they're often called because they called them rebaptizers. Because they believe, hey, if they got baptized in a Catholic church, if they got sprinkled, that's not baptism. If they got saved by worshiping Mary, that's not salvation. Therefore, when they would come to their church and they would hear the gospel and they would get saved. You know, they didn't think they were rebaptizing them. They were getting baptized for real. And later, you know, they dropped the Anna cuz we don't rebaptize anybody. Now we've baptized people that have been have gotten wet before in other churches. But if they weren't saved, it wasn't baptism, was it? If it was sprinkled, that's not baptism. And so, the whole uh, Anabaptist, it was kind of a name that was given to them because they were baptizers. They were re-baptizers. So, these Baptist distinctives, the name is supposed to distinguish us. And these days, it's distinguishing us less and less because there are a lot of churches out there that are not teaching the doctrines of the Bible and it's making it very confusing. And thankfully, most of those churches are dropping Baptists off the name of their church and I'm glad they're doing that because I don't want them confusing. I'm praying that the Westboro Baptist Church, if you all know who they are, I wish they dropped Baptist off their name because uh, they're giving us a bad name. And Baptist, Baptist has a good name. I believe it has a very good name. So, what are these Baptist distinctives? What is it that distinguishes us? If somebody says, okay, Baptist, what does that mean? Well, one thing that we believe in as Baptists is we believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. You know who the head of Liberty Baptist Church is supposed to be? It's not the pastor, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, He is the head of the church. We don't have, we don't, and we don't need, you know, the Bishop of Illinois Baptist churches or the Pope of Baptist churches, you know, the, the Holy Father. No, Jesus Christ, He's the head of the church. He's the, one, he's the one that's in charge. He's the one who gave Himself for this church. Nobody else. Did it was Jesus Christ that did that. He's the Savior of the body. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and we we believe that. He is the head of the church. He is the final say in everything. That's why we don't need a pope. We don't need a supreme leader. We don't need a Baptist president. And there's been many Baptist groups that they've tried to form organizations where you know the church is all kind of together and then they create these pyramids of power, as I like to call them, where somebody's always on the top. And I'm telling you, all that is is a way to elevate man. I, listen, I, I love fellowshipping with other Baptist churches and other pastors. and I, I love fellowshipping with other churches. And, and we do that. We have other preachers coming here, but I don't believe in us joining a, an association or anything where they can come and tell us what to do. That's just not biblical. That's not right. And I'm telling you right now, all those associations, they the only person they even benefit in that church is the pastor because if that pastor joins the association and if his church gets big enough and they're contributing enough money well he gets to move up the ranks and he can become a big shot in that association but the people in the church that are the church that are given that are doing everything what do they get out of it? nothing (laughs) absolutely nothing not biblical at all that is all about just elevating the man and uh, don't believe in that Jesus Christ he's the head of the church and that's why we call ourselves independent Baptists. We're, we're independent. We are a local, self-governing body. And because of that, you know what? I mean, if we wanted to, we could start preaching that you know, the Rapture is when aliens come and take us, you know, snatch us away in heaven. We can, you know, and, and, and nobody can really stop us from doing that. But at the same time, we wouldn't really be Baptists if we were teaching that, would we? And the, and the truth is. There are going to be some goofy groups like Westboro Baptist Church people that are going to go out there because they're independent and they can go and just be absolute fools and nobody can do anything to stop them. But that's going to get us into one of our other distinctions. We believe in religious liberty. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But we also believe that the Bible is the sole written authority for faith and practice. 2 Timothy 3.14 All Scripture... Is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, truly furnished unto all good works. You know what that passage is saying? This Bible has everything we need in it. We don't need to write up a new book to add to it, like the Book of Mormon or, or the Book of Baptist. Okay? You know, if I came up with the Book of Baptist and I can get every Baptist church to. Buy it and follow it. I can make a lot of money. Okay, but we don't need that. We don't need the Book of Baptist to go- govern our church by. This has everything we need. You don't need. We, we, don't, we So we don't need all those higher ups. We've got the Word of God. We've got the Scriptures, and this is what this is what settles the Bible has everything a church or an individual needs to completely fulfill God's will for their life, and that's why we call ourselves independent fundamental baptist okay we're fundamental because we believe the fundamentals of the faith are in here independent fundamental independent local self-governing church fundamental this is the final authority the bible says it that's it that that is that god's word is the final authority because we believe that jesus is well we believe jesus is the head of the church well don't you believe these are his words if these are His words, then yeah, this is how we make Him head of the church by following what it said. Jesus doesn't show up here in the flesh and tell us what to do. He doesn't need to. He left us His word. He left us His book. And it's got everything that we need to be the kind of church that God wants us to be. And that's why we call ourselves independent, fundamental. But now, kind of a new thing that's come around in the last hundred years or so, Many churches, many, many churches. And once again, if you start looking for a church that believes these things that we're mentioning, I mean, 99% of the time, it's probably going to be an independent fundamental Baptist church. Because fewer and fewer places are teaching this. But, many do not believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures. And that is a new belief, by the way. And that's why a lot of times we'll add in, you know, independent fundamental King James Bible believing Baptist. Why, why do we add in the King James in there sometimes? Because we believe that this King James Bible is the inspired Word of God. Many churches, most churches, and even a lot of Baptist churches will say, we believe in the inspiration of the originals. There's one problem with that. We don't have any originals. You know, there's no, there's no original copies. So if all Scripture is given by inspiration... And it's profitable for all those things that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, but we don't have it, then what good is it to us? If there's mistakes in it, what good is it to us? I was like, well, why would people say that? And I will tell you exactly why people would say that because they have an agenda. They're wanting to teach things. That means there's things in here they don't like. And if there's things in there they don't like, well, we're supposed to, as fundamental Baptists, we say, tough luck. (laughs) we have to teach it anyway. You know, I I don't don't like that part. Well, oh well. That's the truth, whether we like it or not. But some people, they're not willing to accept the truth. And so you know what they will do? Well, what should have been translated is blah, blah, blah. And the truth is, they just don't like it. And I'm telling you right now, uh, I, I mentioned Calvinism, that only certain people can be saved. I have never met a Calvinist. That believe in the inspiration of the scriptures, they always think the Bible's full of mistakes. Anybody who, all, I mean, all the other, all the other religions, you know, the only other religion that claims King James Bible is the Mormons, <laughs> but then they added the Book of Mormon. So, I mean, they can't even really call themselves that either, because uh, yeah, we believe in the King James Bible. That's the only one we use, but we also have the Book of Mormon. Sorry, it <laughs> doesn't work that way. I mean, and because all these other religions, all these other teachings, they don't line up with the Scriptures. And therefore, that inspiration of the Scripture, it, it hurts them. Listen, and there's people out there, they do. They want to control. They want to be big shots. They have their own agenda. And that's why there's all these other translations. Because you can get away with teaching a lot of other stuff from these other Bibles. With this King James Bible, it exposes way too many of these false teachings. It exposes all of the false teachings. And when you, ha- and if you have that belief that this is the inspired Word of God, then it does. It settles it. And you just have to learn to accept the things that you maybe don't really like. I'm thinking about writing a new Bible that says punch your enemies instead of love your enemies, but... I don't know. There's that verse in Revelation that talks about not adding to or taking away, and it's like I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. I, I'm scared to try to change it. And I, The boldness of these people to go and try to change the Word of God—I mean, I—I it, it, I don't understand it one bit. Except they do. They just—they want power. They want to control people. But we believe this Bible, and so we'll we'll add that in sometimes. Independent, fundamental, King James Bible, believing Baptists. Because we, we do. We, we believe that, that. We're just basically saying we believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures. And any preacher ever comes in here and wants to correct the Bible, uh, we won't be asking him to come back. Okay, the Bible's correct. If there's a problem somewhere, it's with us. Okay, we've, we've made a mistake. So then, third thing, soul competency. I mentioned that one thing, soul competency. Uh, basically, soul competency is the perspective that each person is accountable for before God with their own soul. According to this view, neither one's family relationship, church membership, ecclesiastical, or religious authorities can affect salvation of one's soul from damnation. Instead, under this view, each person is responsible to God for his or her own personal faith in Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection. John chapter 3, we're not going to take time to read all, but Jesus told Nicodemus, Ye must be born again. Except a man is born of water, the physical birth, and of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Anybody that gets to heaven is because they were born again. Because they got saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is between you and God. Listen, I came I grew up in a pastor's home. My, my dad saved, my mom saved, my grandparents were all saved, but you know what? That did not guarantee me. Entrance into heaven, I had to get saved myself. My kids. You know, they they've got to make, they've got to do that themselves. They've got to make that decision. And you know, thankfully, you know, my the four oldest kids, they've all made professions. But you know what? That's between them and God. Only them and God can know that they're saved. And just because they're my children, and because they go to Liberty Baptist Church, does not mean that they're saved. That's between them and God. And like Ali and Lana I they're going to have to make that decision someday. We can't make it for them. So we, we, you know, we try to teach our kids the truth, but we've never tried to twist their arm into saying a prayer for salvation. You can talk a kid into doing anything. We've always waited until they came to us because that is something that is between them and God. And it doesn't matter what family you're from. That is a decision that you have to make. And uh, you know, we're not free will Baptists. For example, uh, the, you know the Free Will Baptists—they believe you can lose your salvation. Okay? We don't believe that. There's there's a Free Will Baptist, uh, then, but at the same time, we reject the doctrines of Calvinism that only certain people can get saved. And we direct, we re, and then people the Calvinists will try to say, well, then you believe in Arminianism, and Arminianism believes that basically. You, know, you can get saved. You can lose your salvation. There's, uh, there, I, I don't remember all the things about it. It's pretty goofy too. We reject both of those. Okay? If anybody ever tries to tell you you're in our, you believe in Arminianism because you don't believe in Calvinism, they don't know what they're talking about. Okay? They're, both of those are false doctrines. But we believe... Uh, but you do. You have to make that choice. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to call on the Lord. The Bible tells you how to get saved. And um, unfortunately, many people they think because, just because you belong to this church, or because your parents baptized you when you were a baby, or because you know you you got blessed by the pope, I remember I talked about that a while back. It was on the news. The, the, the new pope had went and blessed and baptized all these little babies, and I and it broke my heart because I thought you know what those poor kids. You know how hard it's going to be to teach them that they need to be saved when they were baptized by the Pope? You know how excited their parents were? My kids got baptized by the Pope. They're definitely going to heaven. Not according to the Bible. The Bible says you must be born again. And you don't get it from the Pope sprinkling you. All right? that, that's not going to do it. But... Once again, that's soul competency. We believe in that. We also believe salvation from sin and eternal death to forgiveness and eternal life. It is only by faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who is the grace and gift of God. Ephesians 2.8.9 For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Most other religions, Christian-type religions, even Muslim religions, Catholic religions... Hindu religions, most religions believe in order to go to heaven, or paradise, whatever they believe in, that in some way, shape, or form, you believe you have to do some kind of work to do it, some kind of good works. You have to do a good work to get salvation, or you have to do some kind. You have to stay good to keep your salvation. We do not believe that at all. Salvation is not of works; it is by faith in Jesus Christ. The only work for salvation that needs to be done has already been done by Jesus Christ on the cross. And right there, I'm telling you, if you that's all over the Bible, we could preach a whole message on that. And that not of works thing, that takes out many churches. That Pentecostal lady, "That let me have it because we don't speak in tongues. You've got to speak in tongues to be able to get saved and go to heaven. Sounds kind of like a work to me. You gotta be, I've had another Pentecostal person tell me you have to be baptized to go to heaven. Sounds kind of like the work to me. Sounds kind That that sounds a lot like the work. The Bible does not tell us we have to do that for salvation. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a really hard time finding a church that teaches that that doesn't have the name Baptist on it. And if it does, it does have another name... There, listen, there are some non-denominational churches out there a lot of times. Maybe they... Took Baptists off because they wanted to look more inclusive or whatever. That have a lot of these doctrines, um, you know. But usually, once they take the name off, it's only a matter of time before some of these distinctives go bye-bye. It. it just unfortunately, it's the way it is. I'm not saying there aren't any churches. There are churches that teach these things that don't have that name on there, but they're very hard to find. But we also believe in the priesthood of each believer and of all believers in Christ. we don't have priests around here. Okay, you know, they have priests in the Catholic Church. They had priests in the Old Testament. But we don't have priests. In ancient Israel, priests acted as mediators between God and people. They ministered according to God's instruction and they offered sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. And once a year, the high priest would enter the holiest part of the temple and offer a sacrifice for the sins of all the people, including the priest. But we don't have those today. Why? The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. Man, Jesus Christ, and that priesthood of the believer is now. In order to take your petitions to God, we don't need a priest for that. We can do that ourselves. We're able to do that on our own. Hebrews chapter four, in verse fourteen. I want to read a verse to you there. Hebrews chapter four, in verse fourteen. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, which is Jesus Christ, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That throne of grace, that mercy seat, that holy of holies, only the priest could go there in the Old Testament times, but now because of the, our high priest Jesus Christ, any of us we can approach the throne. We can go to Christ at any at any or we can go to God at any time. We don't need a priest to pray to God for us. We don't need a priest to go confess our sins to and so he can go to God and take care of them for us. We can do that all by ourselves. We can go. We can confess our sins to God. We uh, we're supposed to do these things ourselves as an individual. And listen, uh, you know, that you know, so that idea of going to a man and confessing your sins and your faults and him giving you forgiveness when you sinned against God—that's not in the Bible, and that's not right. Listen, I mean, if, if you want to come talk to me, maybe you got something you want to get off your chest. You know, hey, I'll, I'll listen to you, but boy, you know, don't come confess your sins to me so I can forgive you. Okay, I can't. I can't even take care of my own sins. I, Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for my sins. How am I going to be able to wash your sins away? Can't do it. You've got to do that. It's between you and Christ. But we also believe in believer's baptism. We believe that only this baptism is only for the saved. We believe it is by immersion. The way John the Baptist did it to Jesus Christ, the way Jesus Christ did to His disciples, the way His disciples did it to other people, baptism through immersion represents a death, burial, and resurrection. And many Baptists in history have died because of this practice. I mean, if you read the history of of the Baptists, it is a history that is, is a very bloody history. Many have died. And it's also kind of how we got the name Anabaptists. Because they would not baptize, or they, they would re-baptize people from these false religions. They, did, they rejected infant baptism. And because of that, they, many of them were put to death. But uh, Baptist, believers' baptism, it's an individual choice. I think it was Jason when he was real little. I remember he, you know, he made a profession, and uh, and then we talked about baptism to him. He's like, "I don't want to get baptized." He had a real high voice. And, you know, little, he's like, "I don't want to get baptized." And he's like, "He's like, if I have to get baptized, I don't want to be saved." And <laughs> it's like, you know, but we didn't make him get baptized. That's a step of obedience. A decision he had he had to make. And, you know, later, you know, he made that decision, got baptized himself. But it is—it's an individual decision. An infant can't make that decision. They can't do that. That is something, it's only for the believer. But we believe in baptism and the Lord's supper as wonderfully symbolic, but not essential for salvation. We believe in the Lord's supper. We believe in practicing that. Those—the baptism, and the Lord's supper—the two ordinances that God gave to the local church. I've, we, I've preached about it here before. They identify us with Christ, and they identify us with His church. But they do. They do not save you. They absolutely do not save you. We do not believe in the universal church. And that's why we practice that closed communion. Because said, I, there's other churches out there, but we believe a church is a local assembly. That that Lord's Supper, that is something that God gave for the church to do. And somebody from the outside, you know, we don't know where they're from. We don't know what they believe. We don't know what they teach. And we're not down. We might know some of them, uh, but at the same time, that's something they do with their church because they belong to a church, a local church. And we don't believe in that, you know, universal church that we're all members of. Okay, it's uh, you know, if in a sense, I, you know, I guess you could kind of say that there is one, but there isn't. There really isn't because if God made it, look, it's a local thing. In Revelation chapter two and three, it's to the seven churches of Asia he wrote to seven different churches he constantly looks at these people as individual churches I, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it talks about being a part of a church as a whole it, it, it just doesn't do that and it doesn't mean we're against, We're not against any of these people I, man. I, I love hearing about other churches and what they're doing for God and I love visiting other churches and I love the fellowship but I belong to Liberty Baptist Church this is my church. I'm a member of this church. And I, I fellowship with other churches. But this is my church. This is the, the church that I belong to. And, the, and I'm glad to be a part of it. But we also believe church membership is composed only of persons who have been born again and baptized. That, and so we, we don't have time to talk about a lot of these things. But if you're not saved... Listen, we want people to be a part of this church. We want people to be members. We, we do. But if you're, not, if you're not saved, well, we're not going to do you a bit of good. We might get you to straighten a few things out in your life, but if you stand before God and you're not saved, we did nothing for you. And we believe you need to be saved. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. Well, if the Holy Spirit's not in you, how is, he supposed to, how is He supposed to lead you? How is He supposed to direct your life? We believe that baptism is the first step of obedience. If you're not willing to take the first step, how are you going to be willing to take the next step? And we all like to skip steps and projects. Okay, I, I've been there before where you're putting something together and you want to skip a step. We're not supposed to do that. It usually gets us in trouble, doesn't it? And we believe and, uh, that that's what church membership is. We believe that in religious freedom and the separation of church and state, which does not mean we're not allowed to say anything and have any opinion about what the government does. But we do not believe in government forcing any religion on its people. While there's many religious practices that we reject and that we think are flat out wrong, we don't believe in the government deciding a religion. You've heard the Anglican church. Okay? The Anglican Church, it got started. It's a lot like the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church was trying to tell England what to do. And so England was like, we're not going to do that. So they went and started their own Anglican Church that was there. I don't know if they still do it or not, but it was the church that was the Church of England. We don't need a Church of America. Okay, now, America needs church bad. Okay, but we don't need a Church of America that's forcing a religion. It's an individual choice, individual responsibility And let me tell you too, when governments have tried forcing religion, they're almost always on the wrong side. They are always on the wrong side because you can't can't force people to serve God. You can't make them get baptized. And unlike Catholics and most Protestant religions, Baptists have never used government to force religion on anyone. We've never forced our religion. Nowhere in Baptist history or in any... Group's history. Will you ever hear about Baptists killing people for not being Baptists? But you, but many religions, even in America, in the early days of America, many of them uh, Puritans and stuff that came over. that were supposed to be these wonderful religious freedom-seeking people. They killed Baptists because you know the you know they that you hear about you know everybody hears about like the Salem witch trials and all those things where they would kill witches and things uh, you know because they weren't pumped. They did it to Baptists too. And it's it's in history there's places you know out uh, in the New England area where you can go and visit some of these places where men and women were killed for their faith because they didn't follow these Protestant religions. Baptists have never done that. We we want everybody to be Baptist. We want everybody to get saved, but we don't use force. We don't use government. And we don't kill people that don't agree with us. You know what the Bible told the disciples do? He so said, when you go, and you go, if they'll receive in your house, great, you'll know, preach, but if they don't, if they reject you, you go and you just shake the dust of your shoes off your feet and you move on. And that's what we do. We go, we try to tell people about Christ, but if they don't want to hear about it, we don't blow their head off. We move on. We go to the next one. the ones to listen. See if there's one that wants to listen. And we reach out to those people. And we try, we do what we can, but you can't Force it. So, what does it mean to call yourself, you know, Baptist? Why Baptist? Well, these are the distinctives. These are what separate us from other churches. There's a lot of other things that I think you know we agree on. And, and these people, out, other churches, they're not our enemies. Okay, we're not fighting them. We're not out there trying to close their shut their doors down. I believe they have the right to practice. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses as mad as I get at them. Sometimes they have the right to go out knocking on doors and bugging people. All right. But it's up to the individual whether or not they're going to listen. I'm not going to go, it's like, you know what? We need to get a law saying Jehovah's Witnesses aren't allowed to outdoors because what they're teaching is wrong. Their teaching is heresy. Now, if they make that a law, we're not going to be able to either. And people need to have that choice. I'm not going to go, you know, if you go to the bookstore in the mall. I was in there one day. They got their New Age section. They got all their witchcraft books and things in there. You know, and I... I'm not going to go and try to get them to ban all the witchcraft books. What we need to do, I think, the truth can beat that stuff. If we're getting the truth out there, people won't—they're not going to want it. They're not going to want to read it. And I said, people these days are so—they're so, they're always wanting to use government to make everybody do what they think they ought to be doing. And Baptists, we've never done that. We believe in religious freedom. We believe in religious liberty. The whole separation of church and state thing—that was added in that our constitution. Because of Baptists, Thomas Danbury, he wrote to the uh, the Danbury Baptist Church. Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Church, explaining what that meant. Because they were concerned, they were concerned that there wasn't going to be religious freedom in America, because there hadn't been a whole lot. And then, and that religious freedom, it got added in there because of Baptists. That's something we believe in very strongly. And so, hopefully, this has helped you understand what it means to be a Baptist. So, with that, let's all stand together.